shows are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Welcome to the Adventures in Tech podcast. Talking the latest tips and trends in educational technology to innovate and engage your students. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Dan. That is our names. What's going on, everybody? I am Andrew. And I am Dan. And we are super excited to be offering our first full-fledged episode of the podcast, The Adventures in Tech. This has been a long time coming, as we said, Dan, uh, in our, our preview uh, episode a couple weeks ago or whatever it was. But we are super excited to be finally offering this uh, for all of the people who are teaching out there. It's been uh, a tough 16 months. <laughs> to say the least, right? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, things have changed in the world of uh, education, specifically uh, with technology as well. We kind of got thrust into things when the world started to burn, for lack of a better term. And uh, uh, technology came at the forefront of education. And a lot of people had to pivot uh, very quickly to make sure that the experiences that they were creating for their students uh, not only were geared educationally, social emotionally, making sure everybody got done what they needed to get done. And I'm really excited because we have conversations all the time about how to effectively integrate technology and all these great ideas. And it, and it happens with a small group of people. And I'm really excited to take these conversations and share it with a wider audience. Right. So for those who don't know, Dan and I are very close. Not only are we good friends, but we're also colleagues uh, in the district in the Hudson Valley. And, uh, you know, we've been waiting to kind of do this for a very long time but obviously like we said you know our roles as as technology integration specialists kind of uh got thrust you know supersonic speed for lack of a better term with what we had to uh help all of our colleagues uh in our district get through over the last 16 months or so so we're very excited that not only can we continue to help our, our colleagues in district, but also all of our colleagues in surrounding districts and obviously across the country, across the world, as we definitely start to broadcast uh, our podcast. So exciting in that sense. And I'm really excited that we're launching it right now. And I'm sure this is the same for a lot of people ev everywhere, especially people in our position, that all of a sudden, through everything that we've been through, Basically, the bar has been raised amongst all amongst everyone. So now conversations that we're having with teachers is no longer how do I sign on to Google Classroom? Right. How do I do this? How do I do this? It's taking up another level. And we're really talking about instruction and technology. So that's where that's always been the vision of this podcast. And I think now that's really attainable with what we've been through. 150%. I couldn't have said it better, Dan. You know, the bar has been set high now, um, and we keep pushing it and elevating it higher and higher as we go through. So one thing we do want to say is uh, if you like our content, please help us out, provide feedback, a rating on whichever platform you use to listen to our podcast, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Cast. We greatly appreciate your support uh, throughout this entire venture. And please provide feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, we're... We're newbies with this, uh, with the podcasting. We do like to talk a lot. Obviously, we've been doing a lot of that with videos and, and helping our colleagues. But in general, we do like to interact with colleagues from other districts to bounce ideas off of and so forth. That being said, we, um, we have a little bit of a, a, a format of our show where we're going to have a, a theme each week uh, or biweekly. Uh, depending upon our roles of how often we can get this out. Our goal is weekly, but, you know, um, it could, you know, come off the rails. And to start, we're always going to have like a weekly wind up in news. So we're going to talk about 
latest news with apps and Google and everything that is involved with um, with technology integration. So, uh, Dan, you want to talk about the first thing that just came out? Sure. And I've been looking forward to this. I know it's they've been teasing this and teasing this, and now it's it's out in rapid release. And that has to do with the latest Google Workspace update to Google Sites. Um, I think Google Sites is a fantastic tool, um, not only for setting up a teacher website, but building that collaborative workspace among students. I remember 10 years ago trying to go in and build wikis with my students so we can <laughs> collaborate together. And What's bring a wiki? In, What's a wiki? <laughs> um, and bring in all that multimedia. And now Google Sites is the ideal place for that, whether we're putting together a collaborative project, building portfolios, um, Google Sites is fantastic. What's nice now is when you go to sites.google.com, all of a sudden you're going to see these highly customized themes that are in sites that align um, with different things that you're trying to build. So I'm super excited about that. Right. So, you know, it's been limited in the past and Google knows, you know, since everything has happened and transformed over the past 18 months or so, they've really kind of amped and upped their game uh, with these uh, pre-created themes. You know, it, it, it was limited. It was limited. It is limited to a degree. But now we're going to have a very consistent look and a feel for Google Sites. And now with these custom themes, you know, all of the users in the interface will have a greater control with fonts and textile colors. Everybody loves the colors, uh, brand images, navigation settings. Some people like the top side view, whichever. And then there's also going to be a lot of uh, components, buttons, and you're going to be able to kind of uh, change the style of them. So something, you know, that you can really personalize it, not only for how you want to deliver your instruction, you know, if you're using a Google site, but also for students as they create portfolios and everything. So they're really going to be able to put their own uh, personal brand on it, so to speak. Now, that is, uh, if, you, if your district is a rapid release district that has already been released, the scheduled release from Google, if you are not on rapid release, is due to come out on October 6th. So definitely keep checking back. Uh, if you don't have the new um, custom theme in Google Sites, you should have it, you know, hopefully within the next two weeks or so. And the easiest place to check is just go to, to Google Sites, you know, just go to sites.google.com and you'll see a template gallery on the upper left. If you hit the drop down, you can see that your domain should be listed there um, if, if it's been released to you. And then you can set up a site template and you can submit that template to your district's gallery. That's awesome. So that's, and that's great because let's say, you know, depending upon the size and scope of your district, you may have a site template. Like we work with a bunch of other professional development uh, staff members within our district. They can then share that out automatically across the domain. Fantastic. That is, that is going to be great. You know, if you want some consistency between schools, grade levels, or uh, content areas, definitely something you can uh, utilize uh, using the new Google site templates. Um, you know, we talk about, you know, other news that's coming up there. Uh, and, and Dan and I were talking about this with the um, quick access and host management in Google Meet. Um, we know that there's uh, a variety of districts that are delivering instruction at this time differently. Some still have virtual format. Some have five days a week. Some probably have hybrid. You know, everybody's district based on uh, local policies and everything is different. So Google, which 
is important, is now uh, going to have uh, the ability to add up to 25 co-hosts per meeting and more safety features for Google Meet. What do you think about that, Dan? I think it's fantastic. I remember when we first went virtual and using Google Meet, it was like the wild, wild west out there. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, every... Students were new at the format. Teachers are new at the format. How can I mute everyone? What yep. can I do? I have a co-teacher. I have control. That person doesn't have control. And people who got heads, in first, right? right. Who's who, on first? Who, who's on first? Like <laughs> I don't have control. I didn't get into the meeting first. Right. Um, but Google, it has. I mean, I think they were great over the past year, steadily updating these things. Absolutely. And these new features, being able to switch co-hosts that way. You, you know, co-teachers and different people can manage a meeting more effectively, being able to mute all with one click, um, being able to end the meeting for all right at the end of the meeting, not having to do all that stuff we used to have to do is fantastic. Yeah, it was like a circus jumping through hoops, trying to see who could get in, who couldn't get in, who's sharing the code, who's doing this, who's doing that. So now with who can share their screen, obviously having co-teachers, multiple hosts within a Google Meet allows co-teaching. If you're still in that virtual environment, it's going to make it more uh, accessible and uh, easy in the sense, well, I don't have to share my presentation with you because you can just share it automatically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talk about obviously – uh, how this directly impacts students and education, but it's also uh, important for those who are delivering PD. You know, PD, as we know, the world has changed. It's a lot more virtual. And, you know, if you are hosting a virtual PD with people from all over the country and all over the world, and you're, you know, co- you know, co-presenting, now everybody's got the same access and controls right from the get-go. And I just think the fantastic aspect of this is if you're using breakout rooms. Now, right. now the host doesn't have to move their co-host around exactly. to breakout room, oh. to breakout room, to breakout Excellent room. Point. You can just change the host and add co-host and you'll have access to jump around. Yeah. So it, and it looks like it's pretty simple to do, uh, you know, again, all of these updates can, uh, you know, be accessed from the keyword blog from uh, Google, Google Workspace updates, uh, keyword blog, and you'll be able to see the, the GIF images and, uh, and so forth of how this is going to look in your, uh, you know, once you have the access to it, which is now, it's, it's supposedly rolled out now, um, but there could be some delays because they did have some. It was supposed to be uh, end of August, obviously prior to the schools in the South going back. It ended up slowing down until about mid-September, and they're hoping that by, let's say, uh, to be safe, mid-October, Everything will be complete with the rollout for the co-host and all those uh, expanded safety features for Google Meet. All right, as we keep going on with the news, this is something that was released quite recently um, is uh, quickly access your Google Drive files when you're in your Chrome browser. How many times, Dan, did we have people who... And this is not just colleagues in our district, everywhere. I mean, and it could be your home account where they don't sign into Chrome correctly. Mm -hmm. You know, that that was like a, a, a headache and turning your sink on and uh, and everything. You know, it, we understand you got the two bubbles, especially if you're on any kind of Windows or Mac uh, machine. You got to make sure you sign into your Chrome profile, not just your Google account. So the nice thing is if you are signed in correctly now, there's going to be this whole new card on the new tab page in the Chrome browser that's basically going to uh, bring to light relevant files from your Google Drive. That's awesome. It's awesome. So I was just playing around with it, and I'm thinking of files that I have in my Google Drive. So every time I open up a new tab, I start typing down one of those titles that I know is in my Google Drive, and there it pops up right there in 
in that window, right, when I open a new tab and I can access that doc directly. Right. So ease, efficiency, making you uh, be able to access files that you probably use uh, quite frequently, uh, like a do now or, you know, maybe an exit ticket or an SEL component, you know, it's going to be able to pop up automatically uh, very quickly. So that's, you know, that looks like that's great. That's another update that they just released. Now, I don't think you'll be seeing uh, it too quickly. They do say that the uh, rapid release and schedule release domains are there's no set date. It's a gradual rollout. So if someone else in your district has it, you may have to wait a couple more days. But it is coming, so just hang tight with that. All right, great. So now we're going to move on to some discussion points. So, you know, after we wrap, as the format goes forward, after we wrap up our weekly wind-up, we're going to go into um, some discussion points about the topic that we're going to feature in this podcast and I think we're talking Google Classroom yeah you know it's still kind of the beginning of the year everybody's still you know getting to know their students and starting to just uh, set up their virtual environment um, which I think now everybody sees the importance and the emphasis of having a, a a virtual environment now we are a Google workspace district so we live in the Google world so that's why Google Classroom is at the forefront of everything uh, we do in our district. And when we talk about classroom management, and we saw over the past 18 months, you know, your how how you organize your classroom uh, based, and it, it doesn't really matter the age of the students, but how you organize your classroom is of the utmost importance. You know, there's a lot of benefits uh, on how to manage it. And obviously, it's going to be different for not only your style, but what works best for your students. You know, um, we don't want to make things overwhelming. And, uh, you know, as you set up the Google Classroom, you know, with topics and, and so on and so forth, and we're going to talk about like a top 20 tips to use Google Classroom uh, effectively and efficiently that we've kind of gathered from across the web. I know, Dan, you, you're putting a, a tech tip together and we'll have all this stuff in the show notes. Um, but specifically, your number one tip is what, Dan? Your number one tip is to be organized in that classroom. You have to make sure it's clear and it's easy accessible for students to go in. Um, and I think to be organized, you really have to be thoughtful about how you're organizing that classwork page with your topics. Um, the topics should be there. I remember when uh, people were first starting and not using topics and all of their assignments was just one giant list in the classwork and trying to navigate that was making not only their head spins, their student head spins. When they're asking us for help, we... It was our like, heads were spinning. Our heads were spinning. <laughs> yeah, so you know. There, there, there was a lot of spinning. <laughs> yeah, um, it's very important for that, you know, um, to organize. The topics is a key, uh, a key component of that. And, you know, again, you got to have flexibility in how you're going to uh, determine what is the best format with how many assignments you're posting and materials and so on and so forth. But... Uh, I know, Dan, you were saying specifically the benefit of numbering the assignments. Fill me in a little bit more about that. We'll talk about that, too. So as you go through um, creating your topics, so whatever you decide to do, if, this, if you're going to organize your topic by, by week, by unit, by whatever works for you and your students, um, instead of you know, just going in and typing in the assignments or the material, um, one of the cool things you can do is number your assignments under that topic. So let's just say I'm an ELA teacher and I'm doing a unit on Romeo and Juliet. Uh, my first assignment, I can put in assignment number one. 
right. assignment, or I can even give myself a little space so I can go like zero, zero, one, <laughs> right. zero, zero, two, zero, zero, three. So that way we're not thinking about, oh, it's that, that presentation I wanted you to look at, or remember right. this right. or remember that. Cause as that assignment list keeps growing and as those topic lists keep growing, it's going to be harder and harder right. to remember going through. Um, so by going through a numbering system, It'll be easy to keep track of the assignments. Um, what's also cool is if you go into your Google Drive and you search for those assignment numbers, you'll be able to find those documents directly in your drive without even having to go scroll through Google Classroom. Right. That's a great tip because when you think about, you know, organization and students having uh, multiple Google Classrooms that they're part of, you know, what assignments do now? I mean, if you call it a do now, you know, there could be five other teachers you know, in the is in the secondary level that are saying, okay, this is your due now for, you know, today's date. So if you are, uh, you know, great at organizing your classroom with those numbers, you could say, okay, assignment number 001 is due on Friday, assignment number 002 is due, and it'll help students manage their time, um, and obviously it kind of gives them an agenda of how to specifically organize and get their work in on time, which is the biggest thing when you don't have a topic at all, they, they, just, they just get shut, they shut down half the time. And another benefit with that too is when you're sending out progress reports and students are missing assignments, it's easier for them to figure out I'm missing assignment number four right. rather than I'm missing the reflection on Romeo and Juliet because then I'm, I'm scrolling through that entire thing on Google Classroom to find it. I mean, you can get really creative. You can put a table in a Google Doc and you can put in all your number assignments and even hyperlink them right to the Google Classroom assignment. That's a great idea. And send progress reports out to student that way. That way they can just click on it. It'll take them right to the assignment and off they go. That's awesome. And another another thing that just you know came to mind is uh, be creative, like Dan was saying, in the sense that you can use uh, Bitmoji icons, you know, uh, to also help organize the Google Classroom. So maybe, you know, especially for the younger kids, if they're still doing those assignments, maybe you have the triangle day and the square day or wh whichever, you know. So, you know, we talk about numbers, that, you know, at the, at the higher grade levels, but, you know, for those kids, you know, uh, at the younger grade levels, you know, in their first experience of Google Classroom, it is ideal to uh, give them the tools that they can use to understand uh, quickly, efficiently, and they won't become overwhelmed. Ah, triangle assignment. I did that, Mom. You know, so they would be able to benefit from that as well. And before we um, wrap up talking about topics and the numbering, I would recommend, and, and um, I mean, this is pretty much a common practice, but can't hurt to be reminded of it again, is add a topic in your Google Classroom for class resources. Absolutely. Um, put that right there at the top of your Google Classroom, easily accessible. This can be your syllabus, your classroom policies. Um, if you're using Remind, how to sign up for Remind, any other things that you want students to have quick access to, put it under a topic. They'll be easily to click on that topic right on the left of their classwork and go and get all that important information. That's great. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's like our number one tip when it comes to, you know, Google Classroom, uh, you know, getting it organized, getting it set up from the get-go so you're not stressed out or, 
you know, trying to reorganize later in the year because there's also a limit to the number of topics. So that's why that's important. So we want to make sure that all of the listeners are able to use Google Classroom effectively and efficiently. And we have, you know, we have some some tips for that. You know, um, you know, the first one that I wanted to, you know, kind of bring to light is, you know, there's when you hit the three dots next to something, you can also use that move to top to bring that important older material Hopefully you use the class resource page, you know, topic like uh, Dan had mentioned. But if not, that'll bring that back to the student's attention. I know Dan and I have used that a lot with our colleagues. If there's something that we want to remind our, our colleagues or our students, you know, okay, let's refer back to this. That move to top also brings it straight up to the top of Google Classroom, which then allows it to kind of be at the forefront every time the student, you know, lock, uh, logs in. And that that includes assignments, announcements, questions, uh, you know, anything, or if you have to remind them of a deadline. And, and speaking about reminders, you know, going into our next tip, um, from the people tab in Google Classroom, you can select every student and send them an email. Um, so, you know, you can always push out a reminder in the stream, or if you just want to send an email out to everyone so they're accessing that way, um, you can email everyone right from one place. And that's great, because we know sometimes the emails don't automatically come through, uh, whatever platform your district may be using as, a, you know, a student information system in that regard. So, and, and, you know, plus a student could shut off their notifications for email in Google Classroom. Right. So if you want to get something out there, you know it's going to the student email, go to the People tab, check the students, and you can email them directly. Right, right. You know, we talk about effective feedback, and Google Classroom does uh, give a great platform for that and with the, the comments so there are several kinds of comments that you can leave students in the classroom and knowing how each one works really makes uh, your teaching more efficient and effective. So you can have a class comment and that could be something in the class stream outside of an, uh, an assignment or an announcement. And this is something that's visible to the entire class. So, you know, if you think you're going to ask the same question multiple times by multiple students, you may want to use that as a class comment. The private comment feature, you know, is more uh, directed towards the student. So you're viewing student results and you're clicking on that individual student. And then, you know, with their submissions, you have the private comment section. And that could be sensitive grade or feedback information or how to kind of, you know, guide them through uh, the remainder of the assignment. You know, and then lastly, we do have the comments with the doc slide, sheets, drawings, whatever file you're using. Uh, if you are uh, reviewing that student's work, you would click on that and then you can click the speech bubble icon after you highlight something. And that would be a very specific pointed comment on what you want the student to kind of refer to in that particular assignment. Absolutely. And maybe this we'll talk about this in a future podcast, but you can leave voice comments as well using a great extension that I love is Moat. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So Moat's great. Uh, you know, that's uh, it's something that you your teachers may be interested in utilizing, you know, for the voice comments. And that'll save a lot of your, you know, you won't have to type as many. Um, we're going to move down the list to our, our next tips. And I think we have a few kind of blend them together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, dealing with the stream that first opening page of Google Classroom. Uh, that can become, talk about, we were talking about the wild, wild west earlier. Yep. Well, that stream can become, that can become unruly. Yeah. Um, especially as you start using it more or you start adding more assignments and you just have this giant list of everything in the stream. So some tips that I have is 
I don't feel it could work in some areas and I've seen it, but I don't see the stream as a place for classroom discussions um, just because it, it's not threaded as well as if I post a question in Google Classroom um, and things also get lost in there. Right. So I will usually go into the settings and turn off the student ability to post in the stream. I'll allow them to comment on something, but I won't allow them to post. Right. Um, another thing that I will do in the classroom settings of Google Classroom regarding the stream is I will hide notifications of classwork on the stream. So if you don't do that, every time you post classwork, it's going to show up on the stream. Yep. And then students get in the habit of accessing their work from there, and they don't see it in the larger context. They don't see it in order by the topic. If, they, if they're not going to the classwork, they're not going to be right. able to easily find older assignments. So it's better to keep that page as clean as possible. What the grade is, the rubrics, right, right. right. And then keep Great. all that in the classwork section. That way you can just use your stream for those right now announcements. Yeah. Uh, maybe you want all students, you know, you're working in a blended environment and you want to share a resource out really quick to students as they're in the moment doing something, whether they're collaborating on a, on a assignment you're in the midst of pbl yep whatever it is and all something you need to get something if you post it out to the stream they're going to be able to hit it right away yeah, so i great. think that's the best use of the stream yeah so the stream is you know we we understand it's it's kind of like a live twitter facebook mm -hmm. instagram feed that's how we always try to explain it which but as far as organization you know as we mentioned you know you really want to get your students in the habit of really going to the classwork section. That is that is the the utmost importance, you know, when we talk about organization overall. And you can send these announcements or, or even assignments to um, smaller groups of students in Google Classroom. So it does allow you to differentiate there. So as you post an announcement or you post an assignment, you can actually select the, the students that you want to receive that. So by default, it goes to the entire group, the entire class. But if you have smaller groups and you just want to push things out to them, you can do that. And it doesn't, the other people in the class do not see that. Right. And that's important as we know, as students come back from, uh, you know, essentially being out of the classroom environment, you know, in person for 17, 18 months, whatever it is, you know, you're going to differentiate your instruction. You need to ensure that you have the ability to reach those students who may need those extra supports in place and that'll allow you to communicate directly with those students instead of just sharing the whole message to the class. Because we know everybody's got different learning styles and abilities. So that's, that's a great feature. All right. So some other tips we can um, talk about with Google Classroom. And this is one of my favorite. Uh, we started doing this a, a couple of years ago. Um, we started working from a master class. Yeah. <laughs> this has been a real game changer, real game changer. So what I mean by a master class, so whether it's people of the same grade level or the same department. So, you know, we're all um, social studies teachers yep. or we can even say U.S. history teachers or global teachers, whatever you'd want. Um, fifth grade, you can create a master class and invite all the teachers that you're working with as teachers in that class. Um, instead of like sharing things through Google Drive or I'm going to email you something and then you're going to email it and download. Make a copy. And make mm -hmm. a copy right. and do all this so you can post it from your students. You can start posting your project ideas. You can start posting your assignments in that master class. So if I want to bring it into my personal classroom, I can just go into my Google Classroom, 
use the reuse post and uh, bring it over from the master class. Love reuse posts. I love it. And there's a little checkbox at the bottom, which key. Got, the key. the key. The key. Ding, 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 ding. ding. For it <laughs> that says make copies of all attachments. You want to make sure that's checked off. So now you get your own fresh copy of it. So you're not messing around with someone else's work. I know so many times teachers are sharing because we should share. We should be collaborative, collaborative environment, environment yep. and, and building it up for everyone. We Everyone does not need to reinvent the wheel no. every time they do something. Um, but what's nice is you get your own copy of it. You're not messing up the original that the teacher created. I don't know how many times, you know, I said I shared something with them and now everything is all changed because they didn't make copies and all this. Right. Using that master class, creating copies of attachment takes the headache of I'm sharing. Do I have my sharing permission set? Yeah. Emails, share drives. <laughs> my student can't access it. Yep. That, yeah. It, it makes it makes it's a game changer. Yeah, it is a game changer, you know, with the master class. And like Dan said, that could be done, you know, via departments, via grade levels, via content areas, whatever works for you. You know, in that regard, in the reuse post that goes along with it, if they all have access to that master class, and we're not talking just assignments, because once you get that rubric in there or however you're working, you know, then that rubric can be reused, you know, so, and that's something that Dan and I use a lot with our colleagues is these rubrics, you know, that is automatically based within, you know, and created uh, within Google Classroom now, and it allows uh, easy access to the grading. You know, the other thing with reuse posts too is it's not just your master class. You can also remember reuse posts from archive classrooms. So perhaps you did an assignment last year, but you knew you needed to tweak things, you know, just based on how the students performed on that task. You reuse the post, and then it just pretty much puts it in a draft mode. So you're able to create new copies, tweak it, change things, update it however you need and see fit. Which is definitely a better option than doing the whole copy class because then you oh, have yeah. all that stuff sitting waiting for you to assign, you know, from your last class and it just clogs up the teacher view of that classwork page. So There's the, the key, organization the, again. The reuse post. Um, so I'm going down our discussion points, turn off stream notifications. Um, being sure, as Andrew mentioned, you can assign your assignments to multiple classes. You can schedule them ahead of time. So as you're starting to build every <coughs> your instruction and build, building your instructional environment for your students in that digital space, you can schedule things so it, it'll appear on certain days. So yep. scheduling is you know, great. You can do all your work at once and then have you know it slowly release out to the students. It also give you time to edit things and move things around um, as you see fit. Yeah, and one thing I also wanted to point out as we talk about tips in organization from, you know, school year, we talk about grading and, you know, grading, you can grade automatically in the grades tab. So there you'll find all of your assignments for all your classes in one, in one place, work your way down the list, get on top of everything in one spot, makes you more efficient, you know, in, in that regard. And when we talk about just overall grading, uh, you know, the rubrics, I mean, I, I think it's an underutilized uh, component of Google Classroom. And I know when you first go into it and it's got the criterion and everything, I think it's it's overwhelming to people. Um, if you are really uh, well-versed in uh, Google Sheets, you can import from there. But once you play with it, have some sandbox time, like mm -hmm. we always say, it you'll see it's, it's quite simple to use. And again, once you've got it once... You've got it again. That's and, it. And I think we'll we'll wrap up with our discussion about that rubric, Andrew mentioned, underutilized, totally can outperform what you normally do. So if you build that rubric, you can load those rubrics into your master class. So if this is my writing rubric, this is our 
you know, presentation rubric or right. whatever rubrics, maybe there, there's school-wide or district-wide rubrics that you use, you put them into that master class so I can title the assignment, the name of that rubric, have that rubric there. Right. Then when I reuse the post, that rubric is already attached. I can change the title. I can post it into my classroom, and I have that rubric right there for me. Yeah, and you'll have rubrics that are absolutely pushed out at the district level from curriculum inst and instruction and supervisors and so forth. So that's that's a great, you know, as we start to wrap up our discussion points, um, you know, there's a couple, two, two more quick items I want to hit upon. One is, you know, we talked about dividing and conquering with a colleague, but, you know, as you talk about working, you know, collaboratively uh, in any environment, you know, you definitely want to uh, get ideas from others in that regard. Um, and not only just your colleagues, but we talk about expanding our professional learning networks. You know, there's tons of educators that are using Google Classroom and they are hanging out all over the world in lots of online communities, you know, and get ideas and suggestions. So definitely explore those hashtags, uh, you know, on Twitter for Google Classroom and Google EDU and look at those Facebook groups for the educators you know, to get more ideas and get the help and advice from other teachers that, you know, maybe they'll give you a different perspective on things, you know, so that's definitely important. All right. So once again, as we're, we're, we're getting ready to wrap up, uh, you know, we just wanted to make sure that we touch base as, as you're getting into the meat and potatoes of your school year, you know, the organization thing, you take these little steps. Now it'll, you'll reap the benefits later on. And, It'll assist you in making sure that not only are you are very effective in your uh, instruction, but you'll also uh, be more efficient and hopefully have more time to yourself. And I know we talked about a lot um, in this episode, but we're going to put some links to help you out in the show notes um, to kind of summarize and give you some ideas of things we talked about. Yeah. So once again, uh, Dan and I both thank you all for your support and listening on all the platforms, leaving us a review and feedback. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please reach out to us. We always say, tech hard, work smart, live in adventure. Find Andrew on all socials at A Nicola Tech and Dan at WCSD Tech DR.